Welcome to the Westminster Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Today's sermon comes from Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 to 2, and is titled, Be Followers of God and Walk in Love. Ephesians chapter 5, and we're going to begin reading from the first verse. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savour. But fornication and all uncleanness, or covetousness, let it not be once named among you, as become of saints. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this ye know, that no whoremonger or unclean person, nor covetous man, who is an idolater, have any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not ye therefore partakers with them, for ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness, and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord, and having no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore, he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be ye not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we'll stop there at the end of verse 20. Shall we just pray once again? Lord, as we look at thy word and the inspired word of God that was given uh, to Paul as he writes here to the believers at that city of Ephesus, and we pray that thou would Give us a true grasp of it that we would learn in our Christian walk how we are to follow after Thee. We pray, dear Lord, that Thou would help this weak and needy preacher to declare the riches of the Lord Jesus Christ. In His precious name, Amen. Now, dear friends, I want to call your attention this morning uh, to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5, we've reached in our studies week by week. And I want to uh, look this morning at verse 1 and verse 2. And really, uh, my overall title uh, for you this morning is, Be Followers of God and Walk in Love. Be Followers of God and Walk in Love. In this particular passage, verse 1 and 2, really follow on from what we were looking at last week. Do you remember last week, there was very practical instruction that Paul gives them. He's telling them uh, not to be, to be angry and sin not. 
He's telling them to put away lying and stealing and so on. They've been renewed in the spirit of their mind, verse 23 of chapter 4. And so now as Christian believers who've trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ, this is how in a real practical way they are to live. And that passage concludes by what we see in these two verses at the start of chapter 5. Be ye therefore... You see what I've told you, what you shouldn't do. These things are damaging. These things are how you used to live. But now you are called to be followers of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also have loved us and have given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice for a sweet-smelling savour. And one of the reoccurring themes, one of the central metaphors that Paul uses in chapter 4 and 5 is the Christian walk. The Christian walk. And what he means here, he's not talking about how we pace ourselves, he's talking about our life. When the word Christian walk, it is used to describe how we live, how we conduct ourselves. And so, my key question for you this morning is, what is the great calling for us to live as Christians, especially in this passage in Ephesians? And I believe it is to follow God, uh, to learn Christ, and not to grieve the Holy Spirit. And these three elements we find in uh, chapter 4 and chapter 5 of Ephesians. Uh, From uh, this beginning of this chapter, as we closely inspect it, we'll see a rather beautiful outline. As we just read through chapter 5, it maybe seems at first glance there's an instruction here not to do this or to do that or to do this. But there is this, this thread going through if we look for that particular word walk uh, that we might understand it. Paul has been using this term walk uh, with apply, in a way that applies uh, certain truths to our lives. He focuses upon it in verse uh, chapters 4 through 6. But he first mentions it in chapter 2, verse 1, where um, he says, And you have he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein times past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. What does that mean? Well, in chapter 2, verse 1 and 2, he's saying to them, now you've trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ, you've been quickened by the grace of God to believe in him. Now you're not to walk how, how those who are not following after God, those who are living in sin, that's not how you are to walk. In chapter 2, verse 11, we find it referenced again. It says, Wherefore remember that ye, being in times past uh, Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision uh, by that which is called circumcision in the flesh made by hands. And then you'll see in verse 10, it says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. So not only in chapter 2, verse 1 and 2, are we now called not to walk in how, how we were in our sins before we trusted in the Lord, but now the believer is God's workmanship, ordained to do good works, not for their salvation. Our salvation is only in Christ, but for the glory of God. And so there is this theme. And so then we come to chapter 4, verse 1, where Paul says, 
I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. You see, walk again there. They are to walk in a manner that is worthy of one who is be- proclaims that they are a Christian. Someone who's trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ, who believes Christ to be their Redeemer. They're called to walk worthy of such a high calling. And then chapter 4, verse 17, This I say therefore and testify in the Lord, that henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their mind. And so they are called not to walk once again as they used to walk before they came to know the Lord Jesus Christ. And so this term, this metaphor, uh, walk, this metaphor for the Christian life is applied and utilized by Paul in Ephesians. Walk in the scriptures, as it's translated in our English Bible, roughly around eight times in, in Ephesians, is a, it's composed of two root words, one which means around and one which means to walk. And we can literally translate it to walk around. And so it it denotes the whole sphere of someone's existence, their manner of life. And as we've seen, it can be used in the negative sense, someone who's walking um, in opposition to God, and it can be used positively, someone who is following after the Lord. And so, if we come then to chapter 5, as as we've read from verse 1 to verse 21 of chapter 5, there are three main sections that are constructed and founded upon this metaphor of walking our Christian walk. Verse 1 and 2, we are told to walk in love, as Christ loved us and gave himself for us. Then from verse 3 to 14, we have this long section that once again gives us practical teaching as to how uh, we are to live. But if you look carefully in verse 8, you will see uh, something that Paul says. Verse 8. For ye were sometimes darkness, but now ye are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. You see, that's the second one we see here. They're to walk in love, but we're to walk in light as well. And Lord willing, next Sunday, we'll look at exactly what that means. And then verse 15 to 21, Paul calls us to walk in wisdom. Look at verse 15. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. We're to walk with wisdom. And so these three things are these three building blocks over the next three weeks I want to look at. We're to walk in love, which we'll look at today. We're to walk in light, which we'll look at next week. And we're to walk in wisdom, uh, we'll look at in a few weeks' time. And so if we expand that metaphor a little more, this is a roadmap in many ways for our Christian walk. As a Christian pilgrim, here's to walk in a way that is pleasing to the Lord. Walk in love, walk in light, and walk in wisdom. And so then, let me come to my first point. And we see this in verse 1. We're to be followers of God by following his example and instruction. We're to be followers of God by following his example and instruction. Verse 1 reads, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. Some translations uh, translate it as imitators of God, but I think our translators here have used the word followers to avoid the misunderstanding that someone thinks they can uh, be divine in some sense. 
And so we're to be followers of God. If we are Christians, first of all, to be a follower of God, you have to know God, don't you? You have to know Him. And what does the Scriptures tell us as to how we can know God? Well, the Lord Jesus Christ said, didn't He? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So at the very outset, if you want to be a follower of God, you have to come to Him through the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me just explain that a little more for you. To come through the Lord Jesus Christ is to recognize that you are a sinner, that you have sinned and come short of the glory of God, that you have no claim in the presence of God, that He could quite rightly say to you, depart from me, I never knew you. But... You read in the Word of God that the Lord Jesus Christ died on that cross to redeem His people from their sins. We read and we're called to in God's Word to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And so, dear friend, if you are not a follower of God now, I would urge you to repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ for that is the only way you can be a true follower of God. That's the first step. But also, when we're saved, when we've trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior and Redeemer, we are called here to be a follower of God, to follow the example we find set down before us. This, in many ways, is us displaying the family characteristics. When we're born and our parents, our mother or father, as we go through our lives, we, we bear certain characteristics that resemble them. Maybe some of you are happy about that. Maybe some of you are not. But, uh, dear friends, as we go to, uh, through our Christian walk, not outwardly in our features, but the way that we live our lives should resemble who is our Heavenly Father. We have a Heavenly Father and who is holy and righteous. We have a Heavenly Father who has immense love. And this should be uh, in, exampled through us. We uh, should have uh, those characteristics as the Lord is working upon us as we live our Christian life. And so we have our loving Heavenly Father and we too are to follow Him. Now there's a very helpful verse that I find here in uh, Galatians chapter uh, 4, uh, verse 4 uh, to 6. Uh, we read these words. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because ye are sons, God hath sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son than an heir of God through Christ. This is one of uh, the most wonderful verses in the Scriptures. It talks of us as adopted, adopted sons and daughters of Christ. And when I use that term, maybe at uh, first glance, it doesn't particularly seem nice to you. But as I've said out before, when I've preached on this particular passage, adoption in the Roman world was very different to how we see it today. Many Roman emperors would adopt their children who would be their eventual successors. And there were a number of Caesars who in fact were the adopted sons of the Caesar who went before them. 
And the adopted son would completely leave the rights of their, their parents and would be under that new parent who had adopted them. Furthermore, uh, they would have the inheritance uh, that that parent uh, provided for them. And this is what it's getting at here, especially in Galatians. But I bring this to bear here, uh, dear friends, because you'll notice in Ephesians uh, chapter 5, verse 1, we're not only exhorted to be followers of God, but uh, it relates this parental relationship at the end of verse 1, as dear children. As dear children. What a wonderful term that is. That the believer who is truly saved, who is following the Lord, is a dear child of God. What a wonderful comfort that is. And as a dear child of God, we can come before the Lord. And what does Galatians 4 tell us about how we can approach God as a dear child? Well, we read here that we can now cry, Abba, Father. That the Lord our God is not distant. We can come with that familial relationship in prayer before him. Uh, we can uh, cry, Abba, Father. We have that close relationship with the Lord in prayer and throughout our lives. We can cry, Abba, Father. So even one who hasn't um, had a, a, a very good earthly father or not even known their earthly father, if they know Christ, they have a great heavenly father. One whom they can approach and one who loves them, who sees them as their dear children. What a wonderful thing that is, that we have a heavenly Father like that. Richard Sibbs says, and there's a quote in the, in the pamphlet, he says this, there's a world of riches in this to be the sons of God. And what a prerogative is this, that we have boldness to appear before God, to call him Father, to open our necessities, to fetch all things needful, to have an ear of the King of heaven and earth, to be the favorite in the court of heaven. And in many ways, if you're a dear child, one who is greatly loved by uh, the parent, we should want to follow them, shouldn't we? If you have, if you have been greatly blessed with a, a good parent or parents, it can be a rich blessing to you, can't it? One who wants to raise you up in fear of the Lord. One who is very gracious towards you. And in many ways, this is a very interesting way in which Paul wants to encourage us to follow the Lord. He does at other points, in other letters, lay down the law and say, you must obey. But here, he brings this relationship we have with God and says, your dear children, follow after the Lord. What a great heart-rending call that is for us this morning, to follow after the Lord. And so, as children maybe follow the good example of their parents, and sadly sometimes the bad, Paul is saying here, Christians are children of God. They ought to bear that family resemblance. They are to be followers of the Father. His character, we are to be echoes of it. And we are uh, to follow after him. Follow, that's my first point. Secondly then, and moving swiftly on, we are to walk in love. We must consider Christ's love and its high calling. Verse 2, 
and walk in love as Christ also have loved us and given himself for us, an offering and the sacrifice of God for a sweet-smelling savor. You see here, our Savior's love. We are instructed to walk in love. And immediately, Paul takes our view to Christ's love. What sort of love should we be doing here? Well, uh, the Greek word there is agape that many of you know well. And it directs us towards Christ's love. And so in what way is Christ's love described for us here? Well, it's described for us as a love that is so deep that he gave himself. It is so costly that he laid down his life. It is manifested to each and every true believer. As you see in the middle of that verse, it says, for us. He hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. He gave himself for us. This, this is uh, distinct, isn't it? This is remarkable love that is being expressed here in verse 2. This is immense love of our Savior and Redeemer. There I say we would have a hard job getting even close to the love that the Lord Jesus Christ um, attained for us. And yet, Paul is turning it around and saying, look at the great love he showed to us, dying on that cross for us, even though we'd sinned against him. Look at the great love he showed for us, that he, he laid his life down and was an offering for our sin. Walk in love. Walk in love yourself. Because Christ showed such tremendous love to you, you should be walking in love too. And so this is a great encouragement. Jesus, as our elder brother, as the scriptures describe it, has loved us. And his great love, he shed his blood for us. He bore our sin on his body on the tree, crucified in our place, condemned in our place. And Paul is telling us that here the love of Christ brought him to the cross. And this is a template for how we are to love also. This is a great challenge. It is not a call to emotionalism. That's how often our culture defines love, isn't it? A sort of great sentimentality. No, for Paul to walk in love, as he set out this example of Christ, is to walk in the way of the cross. This is something that isn't just emotional within ourselves, but it's very practical. It's very practical in the sense that Christ loved us. It wasn't just an outflowing emotion towards us, but it was manifested in action that he went to the cross to redeem us from our sins. And so it is our Savior who went to the cross for us. It is simple, but we must walk in love. The tense here, for those of you grammarians, is present tense. And it has a sense that this is going on consistently. We are not to walk in love one day and not the next. This is our constant deportment, our constant outlook. We're to walk in love. And let me just unpack uh, what that means. Sometimes when they say walk in love, they say uh, they take the view you should never tell anyone when they're wrong. That's not what Paul's doing here. He's just about to tell them a whole list of things they shouldn't be doing. No. To walk in love, if we truly love someone, sometimes we have to tell them some hard truths, don't we? For their own protection. Because we don't want them going astray. If we walk in love. But also, there's a sacrificial element here, isn't there? 
Sometimes, if we truly love our Savior, we do have to make sacrifices for Him. We have to make sacrifices in the way that we love other people in the church. We have to make sacrifices ultimately for Almighty God. Walk in love, even in our lives. To profess that we are Christians, probably in the Western world, doesn't affect us quite as much as some others. Where professing Christ, they could be cast out of their family, they could be put in prison. But we do experience it. In a work environment, you may find that if you profess Christ, they may mock you. They may see you as someone who's a little peculiar in believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, for me, that should be something we resolutely uh, continue to love the Lord in. Even people mocked our Savior and He went to the cross and died for me. So if I'm, someone is being a little critical of me at my work, what is that compared to Christ's love for me? You see how this can be applied uh, walking in love. And this whole outlook, we want to be followers of God as dear children and walk in love. Just coming back to my very uh, first point, this key question of what is the great calling for us as Christians. Uh, Paul is calling them here to be like God, to live in, uh, to live in love. It, he is calling us to have a God-centered way of life. A God-centered way of life. Follow God. In chapter 4, it tells us to learn, and then it tells us not to grieve the Holy Spirit. Do you see how Paul is giving us this God-centered walk with the Lord? It revolves around God, who He is. We are to be like our Heavenly Father. We are to be like our Savior. We are not to grieve the Holy Spirit who loves us and is working in us. And so we're to approach this whole life as a God-centered life. Do you do that, dear friends? Do I do that? Practically speaking, considering these foundations of grace that I've expressed, do we follow God in our lives and display Christ-like love? Do we? Or do we just pass through the day, another day's gone, no thought of God. No God-centeredness in our whole outlook. No uh, discernment in the decisions we make according to Scripture. Oh, where do we, how do we live our lives? Dear believer, Christ died for you. Are you walking in love for Him? Is this the foundation of your life? Or is it something that's just a side project uh, that you may be engaging at uh, weekends? And so this is an amazing thing. Time has almost passed. But I hope this morning, in the interlude of, of these instructions of practical things we are not to do and we are to do, Paul gives us this overriding principle that we're to live God-centered lives. We're to be followers of God in the way that He is holy and righteous and just and following His Word because we're dear children. And to, we're to walk in love in great, tremendous love for God and those who are around us because Christ gave, uh, displayed such immense love for us in saving and redeeming us. Shall we pray? Lord Almighty God, we thank Thee for Thy Word. Help us to be true followers of Thee. We pray, dear Lord, that we would not be fair-weather Christians, 
but ones who constantly look to thee. Help us to mould our lives that it's pleasing in thy sight. We pray, dear Lord, if anyone does not know Christ as their Saviour and Redeemer here this morning, that they too may turn to him. They may live a life for him. And they may recognize that in him we have wonderful forgiveness and a glorious hope for eternity. We pray, dear Lord, that we would live practical, holy lives that are consistent with naming the name of Christ as our Savior on our lips. In Christ's precious name, amen. Thank you for listening. Please join us next week where our Sunday morning sermon will be available on this podcast by Monday evening. Alternatively, follow us on Facebook Live or by going to our website at www.westminsterbaptistchurch.co.uk.